Now establishing data link. Accessing. Hello and welcome to another episode of Make It So, the Star Trek podcast. And this is episode four. Yeah, is that this right? This is, yeah, episode, episode four. four. Smashing. And this week we are going to be discussing the future of Star Trek. What were you going to add to it? We're going to be leaping ahead now. What, 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 what would we do differently in, uh, in the producers of Paramount Pictures? shoes if it was us that's a big question i think that is a big question and i think it's one that every star trek fan thinks about at some point they do uh well at least the creative do i think that's that's for sure uh, i've spent m- many a many a lonely moment thinking about that particular <laughs> question <laughs> me too emphasis on lonely i, th- I think um, then again something that a lot of star trek fans can Probably relate Empathize to. Empathise with, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, right, well, let's talk about the shortcomings of the recent incarnations of Star Trek for a moment. Um, as uh, as listeners will probably be very much aware from the past three programmes, um, we didn't like Enterprise very much, did we, Rich? No, we didn't, because mm. it went backwards. It didn't go forwards. Yes. Now, there's key issue number one. No going backwards anymore. We've seen Kirk, we've seen Spock, we've seen Picard, and well, we don't mind going back to Picard, but no, we do as long that as it's if... going ahead it's... with yeah. Picard. That's what we'd um, like to do. Ideally, I would accept it with another crew, another ship, whatever. May- heck, maybe even another Enterprise, another hundred years in the future. Yeah, maybe. I could live with Maybe. that. But going back is certainly a bad idea. We know how it all started. We know the timeline. We know where mm. everybody came from. And we understand there was a day when the transporter was this weird, magical, mystical thing that nobody mm-hmm. wanted to get on. That's taken as red. We yep. didn't need to go back and see it happen at all. Uh, we no. certainly didn't need it after that theme tune. No, we didn't. It, it, there needs, was a- it needs to be said that that... That Enterprise also had the worst theme tune, possibly of any television programme ever, let alone any Star Trek. <laughs> it was in possibly. no way linked to the content of the show, the type of show you were going to be watching. It was completely inappropriate in every single way. Yep. I think... There, was not, there wasn't an iota of, of Star Trek in that theme tune. Um, the lyrics may well have been half-baked appropriate to the program in but really really soft crap rock cheesy soft crap rock just a big mistake no i remember when we I remember when we saw that the first time we saw it and I, there was a bunch of us all like all the big star trek fans in uh at uni or getting around to watch the first episode of enterprise when it came on originally and um and sat down uh, and watched it, and then it got to the theme tune, and we, just, we were all sort of like gobsmacked, thinking, this has got to be just for the pilot. That's what we said, it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, th- this has just got to be for the pilot. This has got to be some crazy random thing that they're going to put on the first episode, and it's never going to get played ever again yeah. in any other episode. <clears throat> and not only that, did they take that theme tune, and then in season three, made it worse. I couldn't believe that when they, they put the... That weird drum beat behind it and stuff the like that. The bossanova beat behind oh, it. It God. was like, 
Okay, for, for starters, this was uh, like the darkest season of Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. And uh, where season three, the storyline was the darkest story. And then suddenly, for no apparent reason, the theme tune changed. And it wasn't on episode one either, was it? It was like episode two or something. Something like um, that, yeah. Episode two or three, and then it suddenly had um, it had that, and they changed it to Star Trek Enterprise instead of just Enterprise. Now, the annoying thing was with that, Bossanova overbeat was that it was blatantly obvious they hadn't even re-recorded the song they'd just taken his vocal track and put yeah. that beat over it yeah very cheap which we really yeah. don't expect from star trek no well yeah we do but <laughs> heaven forbid them ever reuse anything in in the history of star trek like say an effect shot in a major motion picture that's very in true the- why exactly the bird of prey in, in generation blow up in the exact same manner as the bird of prey in undiscovered country? I mean, okay, I could accept it if they use that explosion in, say, a random episode of Deep Space Nine or something like that. Fair enough. You know, you're taking a bit from a film, putting it into the TV series, and you need to cut corners in the TV series. But your generations, generations was they a film. They did it with the movie. You see, I don't mind it when they put bits of the movie in the TV show because it looks really good. The bit from uh, First Contact that was spliced into the opening credits of Enterprise looked good because there you're downgrading, aren't you? You're going from a movie to a TV show, but movie to movie is very cheap. Very cheap. Doing that. Very nasty. Not good. So I think one thing we changed straight away is spend a little bit more money on music Mm. and get a musical supervisor with a little bit of taste and change the music that was another problem because enterprise kind of ushered in with this great <clears throat> promise of a different era for star trek a different sort of take on star trek more sex more violence more kind of uh, a, a, a different take on it as it were a grittier take on it and i remember seeing the first episode and thinking you know this does have a bit of promise there is a little bit more you know, there's more thought gone into it. The set design looks a little bit better, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, but that promise was was never kept. It was never uplived to. The, the closest thing it did to keeping that promise was um, the season three plot line, basically, where it went off and did the whole 24-episode arc. Well, that was, was at, quite... yeah, that was at the point they were competing with 24. Yeah. <clears throat> in, in some ways. I mean, it... It's something that's gotten worse for them since that happened because we've now got Battlestar Galactica and Mm -hmm. uh, Serenity and Firefly, which are just light years ahead in terms of look and design and and where it should actually have gone. Not just in general, but I mean, in the general perception of television today, uh, the audience is looking for a more hierarchical storyline. They're not looking for your um, episodic jump in, jump out television episode like they used to be. Now people are looking for the long story. And DS9 eventually got, you know, got onto that and did like, you know, the last 10 episodes of Deep Space Nine run pretty much continuously um, and every now and then. But, you know, that that was what they needed to get bought on board with, like that, that no more episodes, no more, epi- you know, episodic with hierarchical elements, fair enough, but no more simply episodic episodes because the viewing public doesn't want that anymore. They want intelligent, drawn-out stories, which are arguably easier to write, but, um, in fact, it is easier to write. It is incredibly difficult to write a three-act 
completely self-contained episode of television that has a beginning, a middle and an end and wraps up the story and still utilises the same characters who are going to come back next week. It is difficult to write that. You see, I um, prefer that, especially with Star Trek. I, for me, that is one of the the good things about Star Trek as opposed to something that takes place over a series. If I want to go back and watch an episode of Next Gen, I can go back and stick one on. And that's no problem. Whereas I've never gone back and watched an episode of 24. Right. Well, you know, I've, I've never had the desire to go and see a, a, a single particular episode of Battlestar again. Whereas with, with the single episodic ones, you can just jump in and jump out and you're well mm. away. I there think, is yeah. that desire. I think you've got to give it longer, really, um, with hierarchical storylines. Whereas, you know, like one year to the next year, you, like, you can you can just jump in and watch the odd episode or something. But then I've gone back and watched, like, series one of The Sopranos. And now, granted, because uh, this is, you know, they, they're all like this now. They all run on the long storylines. And granted, it was 1998, I believe, when the first series came out. And I hadn't watched it for absolutely ages. And then suddenly I thought, you know what, I really fancy watching the first series of The Sopranos. Watched all 13 episodes again. Absolutely loved them. Really enjoyed it again. Um, but you had to watch all of them again. But you have to wait a little longer with hierarchical storylines, I believe. Like, you have to wait a few more years before you can really get into them again. I think in about five or six years, I want to go back and watch 24 again. But yeah, I don't know. It's just a lot more of a commitment to watch them again. It is. You're I in think... for the long... Yeah, you're in for the long haul, definitely. You'd go for a whole series story arc, and I'd probably keep it episodic. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'd right. let the viewing public well, decide. On we can that. agree to go into the future. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. We have to go or into the future. maybe a mixture. What do you mean a mixture? A mixture in that you have, um, say, for example, Angel was very good at this. Angel had would have about a, would have a four-parter, and then they'd have, or a five or six-parter, and then they'd have two or three episodic episodes with the the high, you know the bigger story still looming in the background and then they go back into the main story again for three or four episodes and then they come back out and do some more episodic episodes and then they go back in for the last like four or five episodes see i think that's the best way of doing it mm -hmm. and it's a comfortable compromise between the two i think it is a comfortable compromise and i don't think star trek fans would ever really be without the episodic episodes if we're being truthful yeah wouldn't want to go that far but that was the problem though that was the problem with enterprise was they didn't they weren't willing to they didn't have any balls basically did they they didn't really take any risks um you could argue it was a big risk going back in time which it was and it was a stupid one at that because it didn't yeah. pay off um plus you that, could argue it leads you into all sorts of uh, continuity hell that they just don't have the skill to deal with on star trek well, the Klingons were the worst example of that. Oh, um, that episode that tried to explain why the Klingons change into a Worf Klingon as opposed to a original series Klingon was appalling. Yeah. That was that was a desperate attempt for ratings, I think. Yeah. No, that was an awful, awful, awful episode. Um, well, the continuity in Star Trek has always been really mixed anyway. I mean, uh, one of the examples I can always remember was in one of the episodes of Deep Space Nine where the uh, uh, former commander, well, one of Cisco's rivals at uh, Starfleet Academy comes back and um, he's a Vulcan 
and uh, Cisco in the academy ch challenged him to a wrestling match and been beaten hands down because Vulcans are five times stronger than humans. This apparently went completely out of the window when there were so many occasions that T'Pol or some of a Vulcan in Enterprise got cornered by a bunch of humans. And you're just thinking, they're five times stronger than humans. Kick their ass. What yeah. are they doing? You should um, be the hardest person on that ship. <clears throat> yeah, basically, she should have been the hardest bitch on that ship. There was, no, you know, there was no other aliens. It was flocks, wasn't it? And that was it. Yeah. So yes, she should have been the hardest one on there. Basically, oh, well. she so, should have been the chief of security. Exactly. I mean, Tuvok wasn't a bad chief of security. No. It has to be said. I think he was one of the characters we let off last week, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. So yeah, Vulcan should be science officers. And chief of security, if you can't get a Klingon chief of security. Yeah. But then that's not equal opportunities employment, is it? No, it's discrimination based on race. It is, and you can't do that in the 24th century. No. No. Or maybe they've gotten past all that BS and realised that some aliens are better at things than other aliens. There was actually an episode about... I can remember that. There was, there was one about whether or not... Uh, they were saying, I don't think that a Klingon's very well suited to being a counsellor. Or something like that, and like I can't remember what there was. It was a derogatory remark about how some alien couldn't do such such a task, and they said, "Well, what do you mean they can't do such and such?" And well, look at this, look at that. I remember um, something about that. I, yeah. yeah, they kind of they kind of touched on it, but then didn't do anything with it briefly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was promise of prosperity and enterprise, which was like really good, and then. Yeah, just did not deliver on any level. Um, the the uniforms were shit. The the CGI was shit. The score, like ah, that was what we got on from. The score was the same. Exactly, you could interchange the Voyager. score with yeah with any of the post next gen series. It was yeah. basically they must reuse sheet music. Yeah, it, it's it's terrible like that. Again, that was another way where they should have taken it to another route. They should have gone down a completely different road with the music. Exactly. As well as, as the with. visual style. And the content. Definitely. Definitely. So the... then, moving on to a series in the future then, mm -hmm. what would you do? I think that's well, I... another thing we've all thought about. What would your series be like? And then I'll tell you mine. Well, my series would be... I would want to see something in the future, maybe 50, 60 years after next, after Nemesis, um, with a set... Oh, oh, yeah, this is it, right. This was me and uh, another chap uh, called Michael Storer. He, we sort of both came up with this together, um, where the Federation has been absolutely crippled in uh, war and has been brought to the edge of like extinction or whatever you know um but has well, at, at least at the very least has lost a substantial amount of its power in the quadrant um and all of the the races the pat there's a massive power struggle between the various races basically i'd want an extension of ds9 in well the way that ds9 went with um the political arguments and the espionage and the action and the war basically i'd want another war series and i'd want it to be yeah. something very um very intense and very clever with um different very different you know some some new people please you know what i mean they've been reusing the same aliens since 
fucking ages. You know, they've they've not come up with anything really good for ages. No, I'd they? agree there. Definitely. I mean, all of the new aliens in um, Enterprise, like the Zindi, they were shit. Um, the uh, what was it? The who were the crap? The Kazon Ogler or whatever it was from yeah. Voyager. They were rubbish. They looked like um, giant umpalumpers. Yeah, yeah. That was exactly what they looked like. That's what they were. They were Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's rejects. I That's wish they'd they done a song. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they'd done a song. It would have improved that would have been amazing. But yeah, they were rubbish. Um, like the, the the alien race from the other dimension who beat the shit out of the Borg, they were crap. Um... There's just the, yeah, like Voyager's main alien was the Borg, which was a next gen reject, which yep. was a next gen um throwback. <clears throat> um DS nine had the changelings, which was um had been used since early next gen, um early D early original series had used shapeshifters and the idea of chameleons or whatever it was, different name and different they look different as they change shape, but the idea of an alien that can change into anything it wants. Okay, the Dominion that the founders and the shapeshifters were a bit naff, but the Dominion was quite cool. The idea of the Jemadar and the genetically engineered soldiers and everything and and stuff like that that was quite cool. Yeah, because it was a multifaceted em enemy rather than a you know it wasn't just like the Borg one alien. It was like you know you had the the Vorta, the shapeshifters, the um, the Jemadar, and you had like you had the three different aliens who all came together to make the Dominion, which were quite which was quite cool. Um, and they all had their individual little habits and stuff. You've got the 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 Klingons, yeah, yeah, Ferengi, yeah, Federation, yeah. Who else? Uh, the Borg, yeah. You know, and all of these have been around apart from the Borg since the original series. Oh no, the Ferengi weren't. But you know, since Next Gen, they haven't really come up with any decent, long-lasting aliens. So you well, want the Ferengi was something... the, sorry, the Ferengi was supposed to be the big baddies of the Next Generation. Were they? They were, uh, even to the point where, just watching Encounter at Farpoint again, there's a scene where Picard's talking to the uh, director of the station and he mentions in passing the Ferengi and Picard goes apeshit with a whole like, what, you've seen the Ferengi? What, you're talking to them? And all that sort right. of thing. And it's building them up as this mysterious sort of evil baddie when they do eventually come along. Uh, but then like when they did monkeys. come along, they decided that they really weren't frightening enough. And so they had yeah. to come up with a bigger, more frightening, threatening baddie. And that's how they came up with the Borg. Or mm. rather, why they came up with the Borg. Yeah, and then the, yeah, that's right. Because the Ferengi started off as a kind of like, um, uh, yeah, as a sort of uh, an extension of the Klingons, wasn't it? Like a, It was always that, you know, a very sexist, um, yeah. patriarchal kind of society, which they kept... Running through the DS9 story as well, but there wasn't any of this sort of massive emphasis on greed is good and all that. And you know, they effectively became the 1980s yuppie American in in DS9, weren't they? They were that the was yuppies. It. The uh, profit is good, and the uh, the rules of acquisition, which I fucking love. I actually have the rules of acquisition in a book somewhere. That was really sad. I have the rules of acquisition widget on my desktop. Awesome. Every time I flick it on, it's a different rule of acquisition. Uh, what is it? The uh, <laughs> rule of acquisition four two four. What's that? War is good. What's what's the next rule? Peace is good. 
A Anything great you book. Can make money off is good. Yeah, it's a great book. You can live by that book. Definitely. Um, in you know, in my future series, I'd completely turn it around. Here's my right. plan. Okay. Humans are the baddies. Right. Right. Do you remember in some next gen episodes with Q? There was a discussion between Q and Picard where Picard realizes that the Q are actually scared of humans because they see what we have the potential to become and over mm. time will possibly become as powerful as the Q. Right. And so my series is set so far in the future in a time when that has actually happened and humans have become so powerful that they just become this almighty evil conquering force throughout the universe. And so the story is told from the Q continuum point of view as they try to stave off human attack. Slightly more difficult. Oh, much more difficult. Mm. Well, um, that's yeah, that's a lot less. Uh, that's a lot more risky than my idea, I have to say. You'd have I to mean, pull a lot of things out. You mm. know, just tell it from a different point of view, and I think that would be something that could just be as enough of a detachment and far enough forward. To just be, I don't know, something completely different, yet still Star Trek. I have I some know, other I, thoughts about some closer to next-gen period things, but if I was making a series, that's what I'd, I'd try and do. That'd be crazy. That'd it be would, it'd be that. insane. But I love the Q Continuum mm. as a thing. It's, it's a shame they only did a great deal of them in Voyager, uh, because they're sadly some of the ones I haven't actually seen. Right. Or not for a while. They never seem no. to show the good ones. They always show the bad ones that I've seen a thousand times over and over again. Whereas yeah. the Cube Voyages I've only ever seen once. Which is a right pain in the arse. No, I've only seen the one where he snaps Riker into the ship at one point and, and sends it back again. Dear God, yeah. I've not even seen that. That one's quite funny. Um, it was just it was a it was a trial about what all, all the good things... That Q, oh, it was one of the Cubes wants to die because he's done everything. Yes. Um, and, like, they have a trial as to whether or not he should be allowed to end his own life or something um, on the ship. And at one point, he snaps Riker from... He brings Riker to the vo to Voyager briefly. Ha. Mm. I'll have to look out for that. I'm going to end up getting... Which means that Jonathan Frakes, in one way or another, managed to wangle his way onto most of them. Um, yeah, he's been on... Uh, he had DS9 as well, didn't he? Yeah, DS9, Enterprise. Uh, Although, strangely... Yeah, but he wasn't... He no, not Riker playing Riker. Hey? Not playing William T. Riker. No, not in DS9. He was the other one, Thomas, Thomas. Riker. Yeah. Part of the Maquis. Yes. I also have some thoughts about weapons, you know. Right. About some cooler thing they could do with weapons. Specifically yeah. in the photon torpedo area. Okay. Okay, so imagine... You see, I think... In a time of war, if you said it like 50, 60 years in the future of next gen and you were mm. having a war scenario, I think it would be really cool to bring back that sort of phasing cloaking technology from that episode of next gen that we saw. The Pegasus. The Pegasus. Mm. That would need to be brought back. And then I sort of thought, well, what if you equipped a photon torpedo with something like that and you had mm. a, something you could fire out and it would simply just emerge in the middle of a ship and explode? So rather than yeah. firing at a ship, you have a missile that appears in engineering and then explodes. Well, what I'd do is construct a massive, great big sphere and phase it and then park it in the planet and then decloak it. 
Yeah, something like that. It would be horrific, the things you could do. Yeah, phase a moon and then shove it into a planet. That would be really cool. That's even um, better. Yeah. Or, um, oh, yeah, there was like... Um, Polarizing shields. That was that was one of the ones I really liked. The idea of um, shields that would polarize to a point, so you, you'd uh, you'd end up having a real sharp end of the shield and like little jet fighters, like you know, like the Star Wars kind of jet fighters that they occasionally have in Star Trek, but not very often, and have them fucking ramming into ships and like being able to just pierce straight through the hull and decompress the whole ship and stuff and just cause as much damage while they're inside and then boom out the other side of the ship that would also be excellent i thought about things like again like photon torpedoes with a single warp nacelle attached that could just blast through a ship at warp one yeah something like that see but i also did think about and i feel stupid saying this after battlestar coming out but the idea of having like a bigger enterprise with a squadron of smaller fighter ships on board yeah but obviously they've taken that now, so any any well, attempt to do that would be a copy of Battlestar. Well, in terms of style, that's what like we, we touched on it last week. But that's what it needed to be. That's what the new Star Trek needed to be. It was a uh, you know, or looking at um, Firefly or any yeah, like you say, any of the new really good sci-fi's have managed to rekindle the genre in a way that Star Trek's never not managed to do for twenty years. And they've managed to sort of, you know, uh, take it to that edgier extreme and actually push the boundaries further out. Um, I don't know whether or not it would ever be applicable to Star Trek, but just stuff like, you know, high frame rate. And, you know, they've done that once or twice in Star Trek. But visually, they've been so guarded, haven't they? They've been so sort of protective of their own style. And like, Oh, yeah. Everything has been of a certain look and a certain style. It's... Uh... Yeah, and we're very bored of it, and we we didn't want to see much more of it. We'd seen four series worth of it, you know, uh, with however many seasons put together. And, you know, you wanted more of it. You want a different, you know, crazy design. You wanted to see more, like, um, well, when you put one of the movies on, you can instantly tell it's the movie because it just looks so much better than the, the series. And the look of the the sets, the angles that they take, the the way that they shoot it, you know, just little things like uh, in Nemesis, the bleached out planet, when they when they land on and find B, find B4, that bit. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, you know, stuff like that. They never, never fuck with stuff like that. I mean, that's one of the reasons Insurrection was so poor, was because you put it on and it could very well be any episode of Next Gen. Um, whereas stuff like... In fact, with first contact to a certain degree, and I think this is more down to Jonathan Frakes' direction than anything else, but we'll say with Generations, just little things with Generations that make it look like a movie, even though they're using the same fucking sets that they were using in, in the series. Like when they're in 10 Forward, there's a whole section where they're in 10 Forward and uh, uh, Picard has a conversation with uh, Soren or whatever his name was. Um, and you've got a sun in the background and the whole room is lit in this gorgeous like yellow orange light can you remember yes i can very specifically that was a a great effect and also the the bridge took on a more a gray sort of metallic look to it yeah there there was a slight bridge redesign where they stuck a few more people at a few more computer consoles god knows what they were doing um you know for seven years they weren't needed for the earlier ones that's it for seven years everybody's had a job to do on the bridge and nothing else needed doing so let's mm. stick two more guys on there doing God knows what. Four, four or five more guys, wasn't it? It was either side, wasn't it? And they had like, 
extra set of consoles each. Maybe they the, were the uh, crew members who'd been naughty and they had to maybe. come and sit near the captain to behave themselves and do their work <laughs> quietly there during playtime. Right. Now, you flirted with Deanna Troy. She read your mind and knew you were looking at a bum, so you're going to have to come up here. But doesn't Troy sit up here? Yes. I'm sympathetic to your off. cause. I like her too. I think she's got a great <laughs> ass, and you can look at it all day now. Um, what was it? Um, there was a wicked. No, I was just thinking that like, were you talking about the bridge redesign? And there was a wicked one in. Uh, did you ever see Yesterday's Enterprise in Series yes. Three of Next Gen? The bridge design on that was awesome. With the big glass um, panel. Yeah, and the lighting. The lighting was so much moodier and, like, much... You know, they went that kind of way with Voyager after a, a little bit, but it just looked naff on Voyager because it was naff anyway. But, yeah, that was that was really cool. And, you know, yeah, just things like that. Just, like, change it visually. Just make it look different. Make it look interesting. Um, music, like we said, uh, we want new music. We want uh, more interesting music. Um, not the same composer who's been doing it. You know, get Richard Gibbs in. Get uh, Bear, McCar Bear McCready or whoever it is who does Battlestar soundtracks. You know, get them in. They can write good fucking big music, you know, um, and on a whim. Yes. And it, you know, it wasn't as if the music was bad. It's just the same. Yeah. As well, we, well, it was never spectacular. Times, but, yeah. Yeah, it was, never, it was never spectacular. Oh, another thing I really wanted um, with my, uh, my series, as it were, um, would be to have a sort of a level of subtlety in terms of the narrative, in terms of, say, you could have the biggest space battle in the history of star trek but 20 30 minutes earlier or five episodes earlier this battle was decided on because of a look between two characters that sort of thing you know that level of intricacy within the storyline and actually you know less ham please less ham you know there's so much <laughs> ham flying around it's like a pork shop in star trek it really is i don't think there is such a thing as a pork shop i just made it up well if there was a pork shop pork shop it would be Star Trek, really, because it's just full of it. And Commander but, uh, Riker would be behind the counter. Yeah. With his foot up on it. Big doses of ham. Um, yeah, with his foot on the counter. Um, yeah, less ham. Better actors. You know, you've got some of the best actors in Star Trek. Um, Utilise them as well. Like, you know, but then they're kind of half, like, grab these people. I mean, I know that on a, on a sci-fi's budget... Good actors are like the bottom of the shopping list, you know. Yeah. You know, good special effects, good, uh, good writing, um, and possibly good direction are like the top of the list. But again, like Battlestar and Firefly have shown, you know, you cannot beat good performances, you know. And if you put them in, like, uh, say, Battlestar, for example, has get gets viewers who aren't sci-fi fans. You know, people who would never be caught, like Craig, for instance, like um, from Movies You Should See, one of our co-hosts, he absolutely hates Star Trek, well, doesn't hate Star Trek, but doesn't, like, watch it as avidly as we do. Um, wouldn't ever call himself a Star Trek fan, but absolutely adores Battlestar Galactica because it's it's managed to throw the net out. So you've got massive sci-fi concepts, but you've also got a very human story and a very um, well-delivered, within-the-boundaries-of-reality delivered television program that's which, it it's as if it's it's a sci-fi program second yeah with Battlestar it's it's far more political it's gritty it's drama more than anything yeah. else it's, and you it's see drama things, set in a sci-fi that's it 
whereas Star Trek is just sci-fi. And then yeah. we use that as a tool to tell other things, whereas we should be just telling the things and then the sci-fi is merely the, the backdrop for it. Yeah. We need lots of space shots where it looks like there's a cameraman in a spacesuit filming it. Mm-hmm. Which I we think also, is a key well, it factor. It might become very... Sorry, carry on. It, it, that, that was a major element with both Serenity and uh, Battlestar. They both use mm-hmm. the same sort of visual filming technique for the special effects. Um, it's maybe the same that's, guys. It's the same guys, fair enough. It's the same guys. Um, maybe that's a symptom of them not using models anymore. Well, they've got that option. I mean, when they were using the models, the models still worked fine. But little things like um, little things in realism which don't work with Star Trek, like the fact that all of the uh, all of the ships always arrive on a horizontal plane, you know... Um, <laughs> <laughs> what did the did the uh, the enemy ship like contact you first and said actually we're on a, a six 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 degree to uh, within point five of the nearest star so if you can turn your ship that way around a little bit so when we meet we'll be head on and like on a level peg you know we don't want to we don't want to arrive and be on the wrong angle now that you know that would be embarrassing <laughs> you know. None of that. What? What? Why? Why did they always arrive at the same? You know, I, I wanted like more cheekiness as well. More people like fucking with uh, with uh, the other captains. I think I might have said in one of the old uh, other episodes. But like, I'd, I'd if I was a Klingon, I'd, I'd end up. I'd take the bird of prey, and you know the window on the bridge in the Enterprise. Go and poke yourself at that window. Well, yeah, just pop, pop the ship literally as close as you could get to it, cloaked. Um, looking straight down with the, you know, the front of the ship, looking down so that you can like wave out of the window and then decloak and just watch them all shit themselves. Exactly. You know, with regards to that window, I was thinking the other day, the entire ship should be made out of the same stuff as that window. Yeah. Because I guarantee you that no matter what punishment the Enterprise ever takes, that single window on the roof of the bridge will never so much as crack and mm. suck everyone out into space. It was the most appalling design for a ship ever. It was like, didn't they have the separate... They, have a, they had another bridge in the middle of the ship, didn't they? They had the battle bridge. The battle bridge, yes. Which was just used for the star drive section, whatever they separated. Um, but that was cool as well. That that never got used enough. Um, but, like, yeah, taking those... Um, those elements, like, um, like, why the fuck was the bridge sat at the top of the ship? So you lose shields, bam. You know, the the bridge should have been deep into the ship, you know. I mean, okay, it's from Navy ships where the, the bridge is at the top and it's the it's the highest point. And, because you know, it tries so can... to give you the feeling that that view screen is the front window of the ship. Yeah. When in actual Which fact, is... it's just a big telly. Yeah, it's just a big telly. Um, so that's that's why it's very strange that they always chose to do that and I think that's also the same reason why the ships always turned up on the same horizontal plane was that they're still trying to maintain the feeling that it's a naval thing yeah the nautical analogy which I should have said that really a nautical thing rather than nautical analogy rather than the navy thingy yeah Um, (laughs) but yeah they they do they take those little things Uh, what else Uh, why is it that every planet they ever come across is an M-class planet with exactly Earth gravity? You know, why uh, do the ships do blanking manoeuvres? Um, you know, it's space. That was one thing Babylon 5 got right. The the ships used to turn completely on their own axis um, because they're in space. There's no friction. They can. They can just 
twiddle around whenever they want. They don't have to do a massive fucking circle and and come back on themselves. Ridiculous. No, do you think do you think that there are just so many of those types of things when you actually get down to the science of it that if we had a series that strictly applied them all, it would just be completely dull and boring. I don't think it would be dull and boring necessarily, but I do think it like <clears throat> if you had a realistic space battle, say you took up like maybe a little bit more advanced than they are at the moment, but say you took up two uh spaceships in modern terms with all the modern technology that we have into space, say, for example, they've developed, you know, uh, missiles that can be fired and, you know, accurate target systems and et cetera, et cetera, and decent evasive maneuvering devices and such and such and such. If you had a battle in space with modern technology, it would be over before it began. Every, you know, it would be literally boom, 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 everyone's dead. Um, much like if there was another world war, for example, it would be over pretty, pretty fucking quick. Mm. Um, so you kind of got to take a little bit out of it, but then there's just you know, okay, the sound in space issue. You know, you, you've you've come to accept that. that. Now that is purely a cinematic thing, but it does add to it. Yeah. You know, although I've, having since watching Firefly and Serenity, whenever I hear sound in space, I now sit and wince a little bit. Just at first, I actually you know I'd fully accepted it for ages, and then because Joss Whedon came along and said, "Ah, oh, actually, here's how you do it." Um, now it's sort of like every time I see it, even with Battlestar, kind of gets around it a little bit because they've got the muffled sounds, haven't they? Like yeah. the sounds all kind of like sound a little bit muffled in space, which you know is sort of like half getting there. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It might. Yeah, it would probably be interminably dull to actually. And in fact, Star Trek's gone far too far in its own right to ever actually take it that far. Exactly. In terms of in terms of making it realistic. Yeah. But you know, there's nothing wrong with say. You know, make it get, getting rid of blanking maneuvers and stuff like that, and making the ships arrive at different odd angles and stuff, and just taking different angles on the ship as well. Like that was another great thing with the movies, um, uh, Star Trek Six, where you see that torpedo coming flying up from the bottom of the Enterprise and pierces the hull. You know, a torpedo coming from the bottom of the ship. And I think Enterprise did it once or twice, where you saw um, a really nice long shot, a really like, wide shot of the Enterprise, and it's a little teeny dot on the screen. You can just make out that it is the Enterprise. But you know, why not take shots from longer distance? Why does it always have to be at exactly the same sort of trajectory? Why does it? All, why do we always have to see the Enterprise going into warp, coming straight at us, or coming, you know, flying away from us? Why can't we see it from down below or up above, or at a weird kind of diagonal from below or something? You know, there's there are no create. Yeah, yeah there, there are an awful lot of shots of the Enterprise orbiting a planet. Yeah, when you watch them on DVD. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you skip through the chapters, you realise that every chapter starts with a shot of the Enterprise orbiting a planet. Yeah. And if they're still on the same planet, it's the same shot. Yeah. I don't mind that so much <laughs> for the TV show. Um, yeah. Again, you're reusing the shot. But when you're trying to find a specific scene and they all start with that shot, you're pretty much screwed. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, they all do, don't they? Because that's right. your sort of planetary establishing shot, yeah. which is almost pointless because in order for it to work, you need to be able to identify the planet yourself, which you can't mm. do unless it's Earth. So yeah. you're pretty much being told, now we're still around the orange planet. Now we're still mm. the blue place. And things like that. You don't yeah. necessarily need it. Maybe an establishing shot of the building or 
something like that maybe yeah odd how some of the buildings sort of turn up in the same places as well like um it's like they hired the same guy who did the one picture of the the one building on the one planet and then they kind of reused that one about six or seven times and he had like four different buildings in the whole of star trek um kind of like the cutting corners with the bajorans with just like one nose ridge oh it's alien really i've actually <laughs> seen people in wakefield who look like that yes there's not um you know what i mean i've seen i've seen i've seen people wandering around the streets of wakefield early in the morning have looked more like aliens than people in star trek i've been one of them myself at some point i think yeah i've I've looked paler than a borg at certain points in my life you know the, the yeah never mind god god we i get off so much but why do we love star trek again <laughs> because it's just so good yeah it gives us well this is really why do we love star trek so much is really an episode in itself but mm. because it does give you a generally it gives you a cast of characters that you appreciate and empathize with and want good things to happen to it gives you reasonably decent special effects of it of its time until it's the it's got to be that, like, um, to say that we can actually sit here and talk about its shortcomings for so long, and still this is a show that we're willing to actually sit down and make a podcast about, says something right there, really, doesn't it? It certainly does. I think of its time, it was certainly the best thing that was on television. Oh, yeah, of, absolutely. Of that type. I mean, next-gen DS9 and even Voyager were the best sci-fi on TV at the time because yeah. there really was nothing else. And they've since, just and, not up, go on. They've just not updated it for that's it, the modern exactly. audience. It should have been updated and far more than they attempted to update Enterprise by just removing the word Star Trek from the title. And putting a crappy Exactly tune over that it. oh god, it still makes me sick that theme tune. Yeah. We'll no doubt get email about that. Some people loved it. Some people really? think it was the best theme tune ever. Who are these people and what weird hearing device do they use? They are nutters. That's who they are, Mike. Mm. Absolute nutters. <laughs> Why? Why would you? That's I don't nice know. Blanket, I can't explain it. Blanket statement there. People who like the theme tune to Enterprise are nuts. They should I be think, sectioned right away. I think that's a good sort of benchmark for nutters. Yeah, you just walk into a room like a psychiatrist now. Like any any psychiatrists, any psychological students, anything like that, or people who are looking to get into that kind of industry. If you want to test whether or not someone's nuts, take the theme tune in, play it to them, see if they like it. Yeah. Do you like that? There we go. Yeah. Do you like that? Did you like that? Ooh, That's a shame. Rubber wallpaper and a straitjacket for you, Sonny Jim. You know, no, no two ways about it. So, shall we wrap this up then? Yes, let's wrap this up. I mean, I'm sure like people are going to probably get onto us and say, "Well, no, we love Star Trek because it's the way it is. Um, we wouldn't want to change anything about it." But clearly, the general viewing public did not like Star Trek the way it was and chose not to watch it anymore. Which well, is that's why they just it. Enterprise. If yeah, if it was good, we'd still be watching Enterprise, wouldn't we? But we're not. Well, yeah. Would, would Enterprise be in its seventh series now or sixth series? When did it get cancelled? After season four. Four, which um, was when it would have been in its sixth season yes, right now, I, wouldn't it? It'd be starting its sixth season. Yeah. Yeah, it'd See, still so have another year and a bit to go, wouldn't it? It might be getting good. I sort of watched it with the faith that it was gonna get good, just like DS9 and Next Gen. But yeah. it never did. No. Oh well. Never mind. Yeah. Right. So if you enjoy the show, 
Uh, we'd love for you to give us a vote on podcast Ellie. that'd be smashing mm-hmm. if you do a search for us on make it so also if you feel Lovely. like writing a review of us on itunes that'd be smashing too yeah uh, uh, have... if you've got any friends who like us or uh, want like star trek and they want to listen to it recommend them to us you know spread the word listening and if you like movies and you've come across this uh completely by by chance through StarTrek.com or whatever website and not through movies you should see our other show. Uh, give that a listen to. It's very entertaining. Yeah, all of that is available on our website, which is www.simplysyndicated.com. And there's a little podcast mm-hmm. menu. You'll find our webpage with the forums and all our other podcasts as well. Indeed. Smashing. Right, thank you very much for listening. Oh, we, you know what? We never introduced ourselves, so I'll do it now. I've been Richard Smith. <laughs> And I've been Mike Dawson. And this has been Make It So. Thank you. Over and out. When it comes to movie reviews, what you want is intelligent, grown-up conversation. If we hear any, we'll let you know. If you can see Chuck Norris, he can see you. If you can't see Chuck Norris, you're seconds away from death. (laughs) (laughs) Movies you should see from Simply Syndicated. Find us at www.simplysyndicated.com slash movies you should see.